your, your blessings on all of these, our church body. And we just uh, pray that you bless each one. Pray for um, our uh, those that are preaching and teaching. And we just, uh, a lot of uh, uh, teaching going on this morning. So we just pray with you, be with each one. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, recently I attended the regional conference up at Big Sandy, and I was impressed by a guy named Scott Pauley, who actually wrote this small book. He wrote other books, too, and it's called The Need of a Nation, and uh, I was so impressed by it that I decided to do our Sunday school lesson on it, and it'll, most of it's going to be coming from there, <laughs> but uh, it's really a neat uh, lesson, and um, you know, the title is, is, What Do We Do Now? Or How Great Is Our Foundation? I'll let you pick. But um, during, the, during the time that Jesus was on the earth, uh, Rome had its greatest expansion in history. And while the pagan government was broadening its reach and wicked men were in power, our great God was doing his most wonderful work in the world. And Caesar is gone now. And but the church of Jesus Christ is still advancing. So God's word has the answer to the dilemma of every age. For the Lord is good. This is Psalm 105. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures for all generations. Uh, truth transcends all language, time, and cultural bounds. The Holy Spirit speaks to the deepest needs of men and nations. There are no social, moral, economic, or political solutions to a spiritual problem. The hope of a nation is in what God is able to do. And the need of a nation is for people who know how to pray. So Scott uh, Pauly talks about uh, a house that he was building, and uh, he had to uh, secure the foundations, and it was pouring rain. And uh, so he had pumps in there, pumping the water, and just doing what he could to try to get this foundation poured. But he finally gave up and said, we're waiting until this place gets a little bit drier. So uh, foundations are very important. You look at a house that has a poor foundation. From the outside, it looks good. But uh, it doesn't matter how beautiful it looks. On the outside, the foundation is crumbling. And over time, cracks appear, and it's more than just settling. It's a subtle shift that compromises the integrity of the home. So what we're seeing in our world today is a shifting in families, churches, and lives. And it seems at times that the foundations of our society, godliness, decency, and family, are being destroyed. God's people can feel absolutely overwhelmed to a point of desperation, not only by what we see, but also by what we hear, and we look to current events and sense that our nation is coming apart at the seams, the foundations are certainly shaking. But in Psalm 11, we find a nation in turmoil. This is, gets back to David, and he had been anointed as king, but Saul, the current king of Israel, was trying to kill him. And uh, his friends, they said, David, get out of here. Run for your life. It's the only hope you have. In that setting, David, uh, God was reaching, teaching David to wait on the Lord 
and have faith. And uh, and then in that context, the only um, one of this is one of the greatest psalms of all Scripture, and the psalm of both a nation and a man in turmoil, wondering what can be done. So listen to the Holy Spirit's inspired word, beginning with these three verses. This is Psalm chapter 11. In the Lord I put my trust. How shall, how say we to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow for the, upon the string, that they may privily shoot the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So that's the question. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This question leads us back to the God of all answers. Immediately after the question is poised in verse 3, then we go to verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. Instead of looking down in frustration and discouragement, we're told to look up in faith. Instead of concentrating on what we think is going on, we are instructed to look to spiritual reality. The Lord is in his holy temple. So God is seated on the throne of the universe. And the fountain of heaven is not shaking at all. So, According to 1 Corinthians 3.11, for other foundations can no man lay then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So it's important to get our eyes off the world and only on the one who never changes. Even the foundations of this world crumble, our, even if the foundations of our world crumble, our foundation is never destroyed because it is in heaven. In a changing world, the foundations of our lives is the unchanging God. And he says, for I am the Lord, I change not. This is Malachi 3.6. Our foundation is not in some political cause nor a person. David was, without a doubt, disillusioned with King Saul and wondered what could become of him amid the, amid the chaos. But David's faith was not in a man, it was in God. He was reminded by the Holy Spirit that the Lord was exactly where he had always been, on his throne. That should encourage us all today. In 2 Timothy 2.19, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There, there may be a great deal that we do not know about the future, but God knows those who belong to him. And he rules the heaven and holds the children on earth in the palm of his hand. We're told in Revelation 21, 14, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. That is the city where we will eventually live. It's a reminder that whatever the Lord does will last forever. It is eternal. It cannot be shaken. The answer to the question in Psalm 11 is actually the foundations are not being destroyed. The real question is, is our foundation in God? If so, why are we trembling? So um, if you ever begin to wonder as a child of God what to do in the midst of righteousness, unrighteousness, this psalm gives you direction. 
So what can we do? Psalm 11 and 12 are twin psalms. Taken together, they answer the pressing question that is in everyone's mind, what could we do? Where there are many things we, can, we cannot change, there are specific things that God teaches that we all can do. So um, that is what David wrote in the first of the Psalm 11. In the Lord I put my trust. The Lord is our anchor, and when the way is unclear and the waters are rough, only the Lord can give stability. Anything that does not begin in faith will end in failure. Trust that God has you exactly where you're supposed to be. He is working even in circumstances that are less than desirable, and you can trust that God is always there where he is supposed to be. Psalm 11, 4 through 6. We just did 1 through 3. This is 4 through 6. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold... The eyelids try the children of men. The Lord truth trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, brimstone, and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. The greatest temptation is not the enemy you see, but the temptation to live by sight and not by faith. And the Christian life from the beginning to end is a, a faith life. David's toughest test was not Saul. It was the urge to listen to everyone around him instead of listening to God. David had to trust that God had him exactly where he was supposed to be, even when everyone else told him to flee. When he was tempted to take his life in his own hands, he had to remember that his life was in God's hands. And that was infinitely better. There are moments when the spiritual attack comes and the arrows are flying and we want to wane out. Everyone wants to escape these times. Even the most spiritual person, David was no different. And in Psalm 55, 3-8, he writes, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they that cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and the horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then I would wander off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten to escape from the windy storm and tempest. Well, uh, you can't fly away from your circumstances. Be reminded that escape is not the answer. Your circumstances will chase after you. And you will find new difficulties when you get there where you think you want to be. And your escape is this. The Lord is still your foundation. In verse 22 of Psalm 55, he concludes, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. 
He shall never suffer the righteousness to be moved. Escape is not the answer. The only rest and the way to victory is found in trust. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, For whatever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So the victory is not after the battle ends or when the circumstances change. The victory is in the battle. Remember that David had been taunted by Goliath, and in the midst of the battle, God gave victory. Afterward, he was persecuted by Saul. So He found victory and rest during that difficulty as well. Even though it was felt like foundations were shaking, the righteous man, he knew that he could always trust in God, who does everything well. When we get our eyes back on the Lord, we realize that he had his eyes on us all along. Look to Jesus, even in the midst of your turmoil. Do not be dismayed by evil things going around you. Do not think that the devil is winning. Remember the, uh, the song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We look at the current events and we get the sense our nation is coming apart at the seams. The foundations are shaking. What do we do? The need for our nation is the need for every one of our lives. We must have faith in God. If you ever never trusted God as your personal savior, this is where it all must begin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. This is Acts 16.31. In Romans 10.8.9 it says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Call on the Lord now in simple faith and he will keep his word. If you know the Lord Jesus as you, in a personal way, this is the time to exercise your faith in his sufficiency. The same God was able to save you from hell is able to save you from your present circumstances. Say with David, in the Lord, I put my trust. I was a project manager on a project um, about 10 years ago. And um, this, uh, this was a special client. He had to have it done at a certain time. So I was, got in with our management team and they, they were questioning, what should we do? And they said, well, we've always wanted to do this type of project, but we never had time or the ability. I says, well, we're going to have to do it because our sister division in the UK could not do it. So this dilemma was discussed by our management team, and they decided they would do it. And I was elected the project manager. So we uh, got uh, started that project. And the first problem we had is the ideal material that we would use was a type one steel, but we couldn't get one in time. We couldn't get that, the size of the material that we needed in time. So we had to use a type two steel. The problem with the type two steel is wherever, whenever you weld it, you have to go through a heat process cycle and relieve the stress. So, 
I, I, I worked with a vendor that was doing it for us. We were part of that we were not doing ourselves. And he indicated that uh, he did not use any heat treat vendors in his normal work, and so he had no priority so, um, for the heat treat process. So uh, after a few weeks, I could see the project was going to be late. And we had agreed to a clause in the contract that if the project was late, we would be fined. So um, when, I, when I could see we're going to be late, I told my wife that my stomach was in knots and I might even get an ulcer out of this. And uh, I remembered Philippians 4, 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And I did that. I tried to do that, but I couldn't stop worrying. Do you ever have projects or problems that you can't solve and you just worry? And so I, uh, I remembered Otto Koenig's pineapple story. How many remember Otto Koenig's pineapple story? Okay, quite a few. Well, he had pineapples stolen and uh, the natives, by the natives, and, and Otto wasn't doing anything about it after he gave it to the Lord. And the natives come and asked him, well, why aren't you doing anything? You know, you're becoming a Christian or something. And uh, he said, I don't, they don't belong to me anymore. I said, well, what do you mean? Who did you give them to? I gave them to God. What? Go get them back. And so if you remember that story. So I did this with the project. And at the same time, I, so I gave the project to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't want to worry about this. I might get an ulcer. <laughs> and at the same time, uh, I heard a sermon from our pastor in, in, in trusting the Lord. And so I decided that no matter what, I made a decision, a commitment, no matter what, I see this project starting to get late. I'm just going to give it to the Lord, and I'm going to trust that he's going to get it done, and there's nothing going to keep me from trusting him that he will do it. So I did that. And so I communicated to our client that we had type 2 steel, and it was going to take a lot of heat treat cycles, and we had no prior, our, our vendor had no priority in that heat treat cycle, in the heat treat company, because he had never used them before. And so, okay. And so we started working on the project, and it kept getting looked like it was going to get later and later because that heat treat cycle, every weld had to be go through that heat treat cycle. So um, finally, we were starting to get close to the end of the project. I said, Lord, the, this is the, the, the date we have to be done by. And um, I think he knew it, but <laughs> anyway, I was concerned, but uh, not, I, gave, I was not worried. I decided I would not be worried. I was going to trust completely in God. So uh, finally, as we get, got closer and closer to the time it was due, I started getting calls from my, because I would give weekly reports to my client. And um, now we were getting close to the end, and they were starting to call me every day. And I said, well, where are we? Well, we completed this welding process for this particular part of the project. So... Well, what are we doing tomorrow? We're going to get through the heat treat process. So they call me the next day. Well, we, we got through one day of the heat treat process, but you know we're still waiting, and it'll be another day or two before we can get completed. Then they call me the next day. Well, we have one more day, and then we'll be, be done with the heat treat process, and we'll get on this next weld. So, uh, 
So no matter what happened, I was trusting God, but I was really curious as how he was going to get out of this, or not get out of it, but solve the problem. So, um, so finally, the week that it was due, all calls ceased from my, my client. Nobody was calling me anymore. I thought, wow, that is odd. Well, they aren't calling me. I'm not, I'm not done with the project. I'm not calling them either. <laughs> so a week went by, and finally it got to me. I'm supposed to be the project manager communicating with my client, right? So I didn't, um, I, I hadn't done that. So I, I called him up and said, hey, um, just wanted to let you know we're still working on it, and we're at this point, but we're still not done. And he said, well, our client called us the one that we're doing it for, and they had a three-month slip. And so, because they aren't penalizing us, we're not penalizing you. Just get it done as soon as you can. Wow, how did God do that? That is so amazing. It was just incredible. And I could, you know, and, and what it did is it gave me additional trust. I trusted him even more, because now I see that I can trust him. And uh, so... The Lord was not late, and so I was happy. So what can we do? We're in this situation. What do we do now? And um, our faith must be lived out in every area of life, James says. Trusting the Lord is expressed by obeying him after teaching us to, to believe God. Psalm 11 concludes in verse 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, and his countenance doth behold the upright. Our Lord is always righteous, and he wants his people to stay right with him. The entire psalm focuses on the righteousness and what they can do. How easy it is in an unrighteous world that all this surrounds us to miss the unrighteous that, unrighteous that creeps into our own lives. Is it possible that we're talking about the need of our nation? We are neglecting the need of our soul. That's the question. So we must ask God to help us to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. And, and um, in Hebrews, in actually Psalm 45, 7, my greatest enemy is not the world. If I am the man, oh, this is, uh, this is Scott Pauly says this, my greatest enemy is not the world. It is the man that I see in the mirror every morning. It's the hardest thing for me to do is keep myself right with God. Refuse to let the foundations of your own world, own soul, be destroyed. Choose to build a life of holiness and obedience. So what can we do? Psalm 11 and 12 are both very brief psalms. And though they were written at different times in the life of David, the theme of Psalm 11 seems to continue naturally into Psalm 12. And God's truth will help us at every stage of life. It's a reminder that his way is perfect as we fight the battle and face every burden. Psalm 12 is a prayer that begins this way. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. So we, we, we have a tendency to, 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 whoops, that didn't work. 
to crumble and um, and complain about how bad things are, perhaps we should turn our complaining into confession and intercession. Let your conversation become communion with the one who can do something about the situation. That's the Lord. So wicked people speak empty words and use flatter. God's people are to pray. What should we pray? Pray for godly people not to cease. Pray for the faithful will not fail and the poor to be protected and the needy to have God's provision. I love the opening of the word, uh, the words in Psalm 12. It says, help Lord. And when you can't do anything else and the foundations seem to be shaking all around you, you can always pray. And when you don't know what to pray, you can pray this, help Lord. <laughs> so... In um, Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. In closing verses of Psalm 12, David encourages us to meditate. So now we should pray and now meditate. First, we call out to the Lord, and then we listen to him. Talk to him and let him talk to you. Notice how Psalm 12 ends in verses 6 through 8. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep him, O Lord, keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from his from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Our world is full of wickedness and vile people. None of this can change God or God's word. In uh, Psalm 119.89, it says, Forever, Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness to all generation. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. So the world must drive us to the word. This is a beautiful picture of the daily fellowship we can have with God, even in the most difficult days. Fix your mind on what can never be destroyed, which is the eternal word of God. So the words of the wicked are lies, and the passage states, but the Lord's words are always true. His word is pure in an impure world, and is, is preserved in a decaying world, and it will preserve you. In uh, Isaiah 26.3, it says, God's word says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And in Psalm 119.165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. God's word will give you peace like nothing else can. Robert E. Lee was a man who knew something about conflict. And he wrote, he, his favorite hymn was How Firm a Foundation, which goes, starts with, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. If you think of everything that's shaking around you, perhaps you even are a bit shaken today, but stop and spend time meditating on the unchanging word of God. That foundation is never destroyed, and our foundation is Christ himself, 
and God has never moved. What can you do? What can we do? We can trust in the Lord, we can pray, and we can meditate on his word. That foundation is sure. Keep close to the Lord, keep your eyes on his righteousness in the midst of an unrighteous world, and he will help you and use you to influence those around you in a needy nation. He will help you and use you to influence those around you in a needy nation. Right now, the world is in a needy point, and, and our, our country has, people have, you see people around you, they don't have any hope. And we have hope. We know the Lord, so we have hope. And so we can share that hope with them and then give them hope. They need hope. And they're not, they're not out to hurt you. They're out to, they're just struggling out there trying to get hope. And, uh, and we can give it to them. So um, I, I think of always, I always think of the situation where if we saw our neighbor's house on fire, and we know they were in there, we knew they were in there, we would go to that house, rip off the doors, break the windows, go in and get those people and get them out so that they don't burn. Well, think of that from the point of view of the Lord. You know, do we run the next door and grab them out and say, look, Jesus is the answer. We don't want to do that. But point is, is they're going to burn in eternity if we don't help them, if we don't stop them and show them the truth. Okay, well, that uh, concludes our um, this morning's lesson. We're, we're done a little bit early. Gives you a little time. This was uh, just a part of what Scott Pauley wrote in this little book, The Need of Our Nation. It sells for $3.99, and uh, you can get it on the Enjoying the Journey uh, website, their website. I would, I would speaking, speaking of enjoying the journey, I, I, last summer, or summer before actually, uh, I, I did a study in Ecclesiastes. And one thing, you know, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And that's what Solomon is telling everyone. Without the Lord, everything is worthless. It's, it's really not worth anything. And he tried all these different things. And then one thing he does say in there multiple times, he says, enjoy your journey. And that's what their website is, enjoying the journey. I thought that was a really neat result. Well, let's close in prayer and then we can be uh, free. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that in times of trouble, we can come to you. Our foundations are not crumbling in your heaven. And so, Lord, we just uh, ask, Father, for uh, you to just be with each of us today. Help us this uh, wonderful Mother's Day to celebrate with our mothers. And, and uh, we just thank you, Father, for our mothers and what they've done for us. And, and we just uh, pray that you'd help us during our trials, help us to pray, help us to meditate on your word. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. God bless you all. Have a good day.